Welcome to the Ghouls Magazine podcast. I'm Zoe and I'm your host for today. This month we've been getting into some sticky, sexy, ooey and gooey body horror, which is why today we're continuing with that theme. And instead of covering one or two films, we are going to be covering a visceral threesome for you all. We're going to be discussing the works of Brandon Cronenberg with his films Antiviral, Possessor and Infinity Pool. And I'm very excited today because I am joined by the only other two people in this world who like Brandon Cronenberg <laughs> just as much as I do. So first up, I have Amber T. Hello. How are you? Hello, gorgeous. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Very pleased to be here. Thank you for coming back. And for anyone that doesn't know you, which would surprise me as everyone should know <laughs> you and the next guest as well. What do you do? Um, so I am a writer and film critic for Ghouls Magazine. I am UK correspondent for Fangoria Magazine. I have bylines at Arrow and Grimoire of Horror. I used to have my own podcast, but I've kind of given that up now. But it might come back one day. Um, and I like to talk shit and hang out on Twitter. Don't we all? That's, that's Well, it's <laughs> X now, right? Oh. It's not Twitter anymore. It's the it X. will never be X. Over my cold, <laughs> hard, dead body will it be X. We don't accept you, Elon. We no never way. will. <laughs> and next up, I have the wonderful Iona Smith. How are you doing? Oh, you know, I'm surviving. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to talking about our subject matter today, since this is 100% right up my alley in my... Uh, in my favorites. <laughs> this is this is just the vibe we were hoping for. And similar to Amber, people should already know you, but if they don't, what do you do? So I am a senior contrib for Ghouls as well. I do reviews, editorials, lists, all the fun bits. Uh, and I'm also your co-host for our little film events every month, um, which... I mean, I'm pretty sure this episode is going to go out uh, after our next event, but very much links in with our uh, body horror vibe. The next one is uh, The Fly, which I'm so excited for because it's one of my absolute fan favourites. So I'm really excited to uh, have that at the end of this week. I absolutely cannot wait because I've only seen The Fly once and that was what? for the first Whoa. time last year. I've never Zoe. seen the fucking fly yeah never <gasps> it's like the that... horniest grossest movie how have you not seen it it's right? like it's 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 horny it's gross and it's jeff goldblum like that's that's li like it's the trifecta <laughs> like, I know. it's the absolute trifecta <laughs> i know when i watched it i was like why the fuck have i not seen this i was like this <laughs> is this is a me film but you know there we go I'm so excited for you to have round two with a with a crowd because I love watching this film with a crowd. It's so much fun. Yeah, I think it'll be good with a crowd. It'll be super, super good. Well, talking about sexy and slimy and, you know, our favourite things, clearly. <laughs> um, I would love to know what your kind of thoughts and your vibes are on body horror as kind of like a subgenre of, of horror. Um, Iona, what about you? Um, so I think body horror might be one of my favourite subgenres of horror. Um, I I pride myself in not being too freaked out by like blood and gore and viscera and all that kind of stuff. The only thing that I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure I've said this on, on the podcast before, but I think the only thing that really does truly freak me out is like 
pus and like that kind of gooeyness. I know you, you, it, I mean, the listeners cannot see this, but both of you are making the same face that it that reflects <laughs> my feelings. Like, <laughs> like, like, but that, that, the fact that that kind of gets me, me means I enjoy body horror even more because it's that moment of like pushing my limits of my tolerance. And as fellow horror fans, I'm sure you guys can agree when you find that level and you're like trying to push that boundary, it just makes the film so much more enjoyable. Yeah, it's, I mean, I've got, a, yeah, as you said, pus is, it is one, actually a friend of mine, this is super gross, but it fits with the theme. Oh, go she on. Sent, <laughs> she sent a video, well, it wasn't a video, thank God, because me and my friend were like, do not put that in the fucking group chat. She got like a cyst on her back. You know, people that love like those spot popping things. She was like, dream. Do, oh no, you guys the dream. <laughs> oh no. Oh, honestly, I freaked I out. I was shit. like, oh, do you now? It makes like, my I'm mouth water. Oh, I can't. Oh, I need to makes, leave. It makes my it makes my mouth water because I feel like I'm gonna vomit. Like it's I get I get like you know when you you know when you feel like you're gonna be sick and you get like the hotness in the back of your mouth and like it goes really and you're like oh no 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 that's what it. I get. Do you love oh, it? I, I literally like ah oh, I love it. Oh. I watch those pimple pop videos all the time. Like I'm obsessed. Oh, when you get like a really, when it's like the pressure <gasps> and it like explodes. Oh, no. Heaven. Oh, Amber, no. Gorgeousness and gorgeousity. I I genuinely feel like my whole body's like, <laughs> my, like my entire something's body's got happening. a little bit sweaty and I don't mean in a good way. I'm a bit like, oh. <laughs> Sorry. I well, love it. I love it. We're truly so leaning good. into the body horror here, aren't we? Look at <laughs> oh, us. All right, so I guess uh, Amber. I mean, if you're you're loving that kind of stuff, then I'm guessing you've got good vibes with body horror, right? I do. I love body horror, and I think like why we all love body horror so much is because it's universally scary. Like you mm-hmm. know, not everyone's scared of ghosts, and not you know, we don't believe in vampires. Well, some of us do, but everyone everyone on earth has a body and they have a body that will get sick and a body that will get old and the body that will eventually die and so it's like universally relatable and terrifying um i think so also as well like more than maybe any other subgenre it's more like entwined with like like metaphor and it can go in so many different meanings and it can have so many different pathways um you know you can have like japanese cyberpunk body horror or like french cannibalist body horror Speaking of like auto cannibalism is a type of body horror, and that's I don't know, like you with pus, that's my thing. Auto cannibalism, I can handle a lot of shit, but the minute anyone starts eating their own toes or a little bit of flesh, that's worse. Like the little bit of flesh is worse than the big flesh. Oh, I would, I would, I would so much rather watch that kind of stuff than watch something that's like pussy, like, like. (laughs) <laughs> like 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 I don't know like eat, eating like your own fingers or like you're like like a section of like so there I, I know this, this is slight tangent but I find like auto cannibalism in like real life really interesting because there's certain people that have been like I wonder what flesh test tastes like and there was a guy like forever ago now that did um a test where he removed a section of his own like calf tissue and oh, ate it nice. just to see what it tasted like <laughs> and it was like apparently it was okay <laughs> like it wasn't even that great which is the best thing about this story like he was like yeah it's all right what like, was that guy on reddit that ate his own foot <gasps> foot yes. man! oh my god yeah. foot taco man me oh. and uh me ugraine spoke about this on uh her podcast for a long time actually yeah. when we talked about cannibals because yeah he, you know he had it amputated and then yeah. he and his mates ate it 
but one of his friends was a chef, so they cooked it like nicely they, like, and they ate it his well. fucking foot. Ate yeah, his foot. people need to you know, go to jail. <laughs> after, after, after you guys spoke about that on a grains podcast, I then went and spoke to my friends at work and we found the foot taco photos. Like we, like I was in the office at work, and we found foot taco. Did it look, <laughs> it was, look like good? It just looked like meat. Like it was. Like, yeah, I mean, like, well. like there was there was like the medical photo of his actual foot, and mm. then there was the byproduct of the dinner they had. And genuinely, you wouldn't be able to tell it was foot meat. Like when you look at the photos of the dinner, like it just oh, looked like man. pork or something. But anyway, <laughs> oh jeez. It nah. was really intense, and we were all just kind of stood around this one computer, like, um, oh, we're going to be on some sort of government <laughs> list now, aren't we? <laughs> I've got chili for dinner. Jesus, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm eating veggie tonight. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think maybe we should go veggie for life. If that ain't enough to turn you, I don't know what is right. <laughs> this and tender is the flesh. Only things that you need to go vegan. <laughs> I haven't read that yet. I can't. Oh, I can't. you can. You can. There's no, is there, or no, I don't think there's any I'm auto. Fine if it's an auto. auto. If it's yeah, not no. auto, it's fine. There's no, there's no auto. No. It's just um, eating intense. other people. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. I can handle that. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. That's yeah. normal. Not behavior. normal camel, yeah. normal calamism. Yeah, that's, no, that's no, that's no worries. Yeah. Saturday. <laughs> no stress, no dramas there, guys. It's fine. <laughs> but you're right. You know, both of your points around like body horror being the one thing that I feel like everyone gets scared about it is because you know it's so like relatable compared to a lot of the other kind of horrors that we have um I love body horror because I feel like a lot of it often crosses over obviously into like the extreme side of things you know it's super gory often super violent super gross there's like lots of bodily fluids um mine is I just don't like sick like in real life I'm fine with sick like I'm absolutely fine I can hold people's hair I can help them with sick but like seeing it on screen I just I don't see the reason why I need to see it I'm like you could do anything with your movie why put vomit here why like do you it's know what one I mean? of where it's like so obviously a fetish thing as well i think yeah, like, yeah like there is like, a lot say, of like, oh, like slaughtered vomit dolls is horror i'm like it's not it's it's fetish it's fetish yeah. porn like i'm the opposite of you actually zoe like i cannot handle sick in real life but i can watch like slaughtered vomit dolls and not feel i will feel angry at a certain person but the sick mm. itself doesn't bother me but yeah it, it's yeah. fetish stuff it's the same with like scat i guess like it's not scary it's porny yeah it's like it's it's an each their own kind of uh fetish choice for that kind of stuff i mean kind of in in terms of sick sick does not like bother me whether it's in real life or whether it's um like in films or anything um i think the the closest thing to like the pus thing that freaks me out in real life is like people with snotty noses oh yeah you like really hate snotty noses don't you oh my god snot (laughs) snot makes me so upset snot is foul like snot is foul like it's it's it but then i think that's kind of in the same category as pus for me yeah it's just like viscous it's, it's viscous fluids <laughs> that aren't blood and aren't there's a few viscous things fluids in these films <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> have you guys heard of and if you don't like snot so i used to work at like a kid's company oh, have God. you heard of the 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 snot suckers that parents yeah, have yeah where they, <laughs> no can you imagine sucking your own baby's snot out i was like so, just 
just tissue their nose. Why yeah, just it out? Just do a do a little bit of this with a tissue, like just spread the tissue around their nose. Blah, blah. No, my 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 like my friends who have a kid, uh, who my my godson's kids, um, my godson's kids, my godson's parents have one of them as well, and or. Like they used it in front of me before, and I had to leave the room. I was, like, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't watch Where you do it, that. Does it, do they swallow it? Is it like so when you get gas be... out of a car and you like? I mean, it's supposed to be like a little. <laughs> it's like a little tube mechanism. It's supposed to catch it, but sometimes oh, it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't, and it goes into the parent's mouth, and it's like, oh my it. god, they're eating their snot. They're eating. They're eating the baby snot. Jesus. Oh. I guess when you have a kid, like anything's like not repulsive to you anymore. I mean, Maybe- yeah. Get desensitized, but for me, no. As soon as I guess, as soon as you've witnessed your first punami, I don't think it really matters anymore, <laughs> does it? Like, yeah, I've anything seen, goes after that. I see my brother used to have punamis. I remember, like, it was on the back of his head, and I was like, How though? Yeah, uh, I was how? like, What? what? I was up? like, you know, it just how? like seems to travel up and out. I mean, it's, it's wild. Kids it's are like, wild. <laughs> it's like backwash physics, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is this is definitely the right chat for uh for us three. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. We've really leaned. I mean, we've not even gotten to the, the film shit and we've covered like <laughs> every kind into. of gross body bit ever. <laughs> um so so coming on to the film, so we should probably do that at some point. Um, we're of course discussing the films of our babe, Brandon Cronenberg. Um, so I kind of want to know like what your relationship with him is and you know how you kind of first came to discovering his work so what about you amber um i well i think like most people it was his name first of all um and i think for not a long time but a little while i was a bit kind of like wary only because you know, Nepo babies are a whole thing. And there are a lot of really talentless Nepo babies who have just used their parents' name to get where they are. But the minute I watched one of Brandon's films, I was like, okay, no, this, like, yes, you can see influences from his dad, but it's, he has his own complete vision and narratives and universes that he's created that are completely like very, also very different from his father. Um, I think actually the first thing I saw of his was antiviral and I think I watched it when I had COVID, which was probably a really terrible idea. If it, if that wasn't the first time I definitely came back to it when I had COVID. Cause I was like, this is the perfect state of mind for me to watch this film in. And I was just immediately blown away. Like, I love these universes he creates and these like machineries and societies and characters that he creates. Like, I've there's so many people out there who are copying his father and he could have so easily done that, but he was like, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm my own guy. Um, and I respect him and he's kind of cute as well, if, you know, if you're into that. I mean, I'm definitely into that, so. <laughs> <laughs> How did um how did you first discover him, Iona? Um, so I I actually watched Antiviral first as well, but I watched Antiviral while I was at university. So it came out in was it 2012? Yeah. So uh, that was my first year of uni that that when it came out. And I in my final year, so that would have been 2015, I think. Uh, I had a lecturer who 
did like an entire unit on um like horror violence like on-screen violence all that kind of stuff and i remember specifically him showing us clips from henry portrait of a serial killer and antiviral like this man was like he knew he knew his good fucking films so i was like fully invested straight away in his in 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 his like lessons i sought out antiviral after i watched a couple of clips in his class and then was like holy shit this is this is my type of film this is the thing that's there to like gross me out but also draw me in and then i realized after all of that who brandon cronenberg was and then i realized who his dad was and was like Oh my God, because I've always been a massive David Cronenberg fan. Like I've seen pretty much every one of, of David Cronenberg's films. Like he's one of the people that I'm proud to be like, no, no, I've seen like his filmography, like the whole shebang. Um, so yeah, like I think after that, it was kind of just love at first watch for Antiviral and then love at first realization for, for Brandon Cronenberg because of the association and because of the legacy from his father. And I know that I, I do agree with you, Amber, with the whole Nepo baby kind of comment. And I was a bit worried, I guess, that anything that came later would be kind of leaning into that. But he proved me wrong and he proved me wrong twice. So here we are. Yeah, there's always a bit of a worry, isn't there? With like Nepo baby, it's like, oh, are they going to be? But the same as you both, like I remember going into v and it was it was one of those ones that just come out and you know obviously back in the day when we were all getting your dvds and i remember seeing the cover and i was like mm, i was like this looks like my kind of thing and yeah <laughs> just going home and watching it and being like holy shit and i mean it's probably like one of my favorite films of all time um i love it so so much and i feel like it's just perfect in terms of really bringing to life that uh that element of like body horror and yeah I remember watching it and it re actually really grossing me out and that was a point where I was watching fucking gross stuff anyway and there was something about it just really got under my skin and I mean talking obviously a bit about you know because we have to talk about David Cronenberg seeing as he's the son I'm not a big fan of David Cronenberg and I and I don't know why I try and I try and I watch his films and I'm like it just it doesn't do anything for me I don't get any connection whereas with like Brandon you you guys know I, I mean he could literally shit on the floor and I'd be like five stars <laughs> yeah but you'd be like get that man an Oscar like yeah he's, I'll be he, like, he needs an award season for himself <laughs> body horror babes body horror thank you very much but yeah I don't know what it is about David Cronenberg I just I don't oh. fuck with him RIP your Twitter mentions <laughs> film bros are gonna be wild about this <laughs> Like, like I even like I even like David Cronenberg stuff that isn't horror, like like his drama shit, and like his like like he did he did he did a version of a Freud story called A Dangerous Method, and oh, I that's like so I sexy. oh I vibe with that film so much. <laughs> so I love Michael that film Fassbender so much. In that film so oh sexy. my god, yes, Michael Fassbender in that film. I mean, Kira Knightley in that film as well. Yeah, Hell yes, both of them. Who's the other? Who's the other? Oh god, it's um, it's not Cumberbatch, is it? No, it it oh it's it's Viggo Mortensen. Oh god, sorry, come on. How dare we? How and dare this, we? Like, weird like Freudian spanking and like Oh yeah. It's, I it's mean, one to check out. If it's if you do you like Crash of his? 
No, I don't like Crash. I didn't like Crash. I was like, why? I was like, what they? Why they messing around with cars and their legs? I was like, they're having a joke. It's James Spader. Clearly, clearly, I'm a vanilla gal because I was like, no, thank you. I was like, I'll do thirty in a forty. I'll be safe. My legs are staying intact. Thank you very much. I mean, I mean, Zoe. Both of us know. Both of us know that you are not a vanilla girl with one of the films that we're going to talk about today. That's all I'm saying at the minute. Like, because you know, you know, don't out me. You know, I'm outing all three of us. Come on. Yeah, yeah, we're not um we're, we're not we're not vanilla gals and I think the films that we're covering today certainly aren't which I think is why I prefer Brandon Cronenberg because I think he does very interesting things in terms of his pairing of body horror with mind horror which is what mm-hmm. I think whenever I've come to the works of David Cronenberg I felt you know like if I think of a film like Crash I feel like it lacks in the more psychological elements and Mm -hmm. I'm like it just feels a bit like shock for shock's sake whereas with data with Brandon Cronenberg stuff I'm like there's there's some meat to it and you know we're gonna get into a lot of the meat in a minute um (laughs) so let's talk about our first film because we do have three films to cover so the first one we have spoken about a little bit because it was our our first um, took our took our cherry when it comes to <laughs> Brandon Cronenberg, um, and that is of course Antiviral from 2012. It stars the wonderful Caleb Laundry Jones, who we will talk about in a little bit more detail. Um, also love the fact that Malcolm McDowell is in this because oh, that yes. was oh yeah just a beautiful little you know I just was not expecting to see him in it and I was like oh yeah <laughs> um so the synopsis for Antival it is set in a dystopian future um filled with celebrity obsessions more so than we have now clinics are dispersing celebrity illnesses and infections so if a celebrity has herpes you can go in and you can get their herpes which is just cute as fuck uh and as fans go in they feel a little bit closer to their idols um Caleb Laundry Jones is Sid who works at one of the top clinics uh, and he's put in charge of collecting a deadly new virus from the biggest star who is Hannah Geist but he deals these infections I guess kind of like on the black market uh, by injecting them into himself uh, for replication and transportation and selling them to other weirdos that that want to have you know harpies and all that sort of thing but the new infection he gets from Hannah Geist is slightly more deadly than any of the others. And then it all goes a bit wibbly-wobbly from there. So antiviral. Obviously, it was all of our our first. I, I'd love to know kind of like your thoughts on its look at celebrity culture, because I feel like Brandon Cronenberg is really good at picking a topic and like, honing in on it and having like something to say so I'd kind of love to know a bit more like about the celebrity culture in here because when I first watched it back in 2012 it was probably you know a point in time where I'm sure you know for all of us were about you know similar ages where celebrity culture it was all or nothing fucking obsessions with celebrities and it feels like this film made a very kind of like poignant point around how 
obsessed fans can be with a particular celebrity. I mean, yeah, I would completely agree with that. It's kind of at the point that the, I mean, I think, I think when this film came out, we were all, like you said, similar ages in terms of understanding the celebrity culture and stuff at that time. The fixation stage was kind of really there. It was like a all or nothing. You know everything about a celebrity that you like, like what their like parents' names were, where they grew up, like their like favorite fucking food, like I don't know where where they last took a piss. Like you you had to know everything, otherwise you weren't a true fan of someone. Um, and I feel like nowadays that's only escalated further. And I, and I think that this film is a really good kind of mirroring of that, of how those extremes could go within the future if certain kind of scientific elements allowed it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's the literal meat market, isn't it? I mean, it's like the, we, celebrities, are, what is that quote? That's from that's from antiviral is celebrities are collective hallucinations, which is oh, yeah. one of my favorite quotes. For a minute there, I was like, where is that from? <laughs> it's from <laughs> antiviral itself. So it's like almost like celebrities no longer belong to themselves. The minute they reach a certain level of fame, they belong to, which they don't, but this is how their fans feel, is that they have no right to their own self-identity or whatever. They become literally owned by their fans and they have no more right to their own body or their own you know their own hair everyone's commenting on how they look and their surgery and whatnot and i think it's i think when i first came to antiviral i obviously came to it quite late and i was like truly shocked that it was made in 2012 because i thought i was like this is so precedent to now and you know specifically things like stan twitter um who will literally like get you fired from your job if you say one bad thing about their favorite so i think that's what really shocked me is that this is this is a subject that obviously brandon really honed in on and especially in that era in the 2010s and just coming out of the early 2000s especially in america where it was horrendous even more so than it is now you remember there'd be pictures of britney like on the on the like front page saying like how fat she was and like literally driving britney spears to a nervous breakdown because no one would leave her alone and it's just like a perfect antiviral is just the perfect encapsulation of the um what's the word i'm looking for entitlement that's it the entitlement of fans and yeah the meat market which they literally you know end up as yeah, that is, it's like you said, it feels like it was made with a very forward looking kind of purpose to it, because I think, you know, we've become like even more obsessed. And as you mentioned, entitlement is a really good word. You know, the way that I think as soon as you become in the public eye, like people feel as though they know you as well and they are your friend or they expect that because they've seen a, a tiny slither of your life that suddenly they know everything about you and that they should know everything about you and I love this aspect of taking it more into the grotesque of like having their infections and illnesses because it's like as humans you know we go so far to avoid getting infections and illnesses and we would typically you know you sleep with someone they've got an STD you're like oh dirty I didn't want to be intimate with that person whereas you know I and I'm pretty sure I've said disgusting things like oh if so-and-so had chlamydia I'd want it you know from them like I wouldn't mind (laughs) and you know when you think about that way you're like that's gross like you should not think about that but like when you see it in the film 
kind of makes sense, you know, when the first guy goes in there and he's like, oh, I'm going to get like herpes on my lip as if she kissed me there. And mm-hmm. he gets so excited and he's like, oh, you know, the thought of it. I was like, me, when I was like 15, if someone had said, imagine that Gerard Way is kissing you and you can get herpes here, I'd be like, do it. I'll have that. I will have that. Like the <laughs> that is exactly That is exactly what it leans into, is this? It? like that element of teenage fantasy that everyone had when they were younger and they got obsessed with a certain celebrity and you'd be like, oh my God, they could literally do anything. And I'd be like, incredible, amazing, perfect. I love you. Mm-hmm. Like they could literally turn out to be the worst human in the world and you'd still be like, I love you. I love you. I love you. And it's like, well, no, like in, in when you, when you grow up and become like a grown ass adult, you actually realize that no, people are gross <laughs> like, yeah. majority of humans are pretty gross oh, even yeah. celebrities it's and this, um, like weird sorry i'm gonna carry on oh no no I was, I was just gonna say like that that kind of lean into that kind of grossness and the infection of it all they this film's kind of gone in the opposite direction of being like oh no but we all love it we love it like let's have it all let's all have that horrible grossness Ugh. i think it's like like you mentioned that that very teenage i remember like I went to see Placebo or oh love. Amazing. Yeah. And I remember like for days afterwards, I was like, oh my God, I've literally breathed the same air as Brian Molko. Like I was so (laughs) obsessed with him that the thought of like his breath particles in the same room as me was like, I loved it. It was giving me life. And it's like like weird, like parasocial, like what the fuck is that where does that come from it's so weird but we all do it you know at some point in our lives we all do get hyper fixated with a celebrity or with a famous person and it it can be quite scary as this film points out yeah I think I think a lot of that also comes from like a very like especially in your teen years when you're growing up like it comes from like a desperation to connect Mm. like trying to find someone that you that you think that you like in your mind would like truly understand you like it which it sounds so stupid because it's a celebrity they don't fucking know you from Ed <laughs> down the street like it doesn't matter but like to them you're not anyone but to us they are like the big thing they're the thing that you fill your life with that you kind of want to be a big element of sometimes your personality but this is just kind of the physical replication of it in this film mm-hmm yeah, and I think and I think antiviral does so such a good job at like portraying the two sides of it and what you don't see behind closed doors of a celebrity's life. Like you know, with Hannah Geist, we see her when she's sick and in the bed, and we suddenly see her as a vulnerable, frail young woman who's about to die. You know, she's co- she's coughing up like essentially her insides, and she's about to die. And obviously, Sid does start to feel connected to her because they're you know, um, I think I think Malcolm McDowell's character even says they kind of like share a death together, and you cannot get more connected than sharing a death with someone, which is in a way kind of like a poetic. I was like, it's a bit romantic, isn't it? I want to share a death with someone. I was like, where are Especially the boys that want to die? Jones. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I knew I knew we were going to start talking about that at some point soon. I was like, one of us is going to bring that up. <laughs> well, it's strange, isn't it? Because he's. I think in this film, and I'd say out of all three, this is probably maybe like the least sexy film that that out of all three. However, it's weird because Caleb Laundry Jones, you shouldn't find him attractive when he's like dying in this, but we do, right? I mean, <laughs> it's 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 kind of a universally agreed thing within the ghouls that we love a sickly boy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We deathbed. Oh, we love her. We love. We love her. We love a dying boy. Like we can't help it. I don't know why. We're all weirdos. I love it. 
he's just I, he's he's there's a sense of vulnerability but there's mm. i love caleb Blanchard jones because he he buries himself so deeply into his roles he's 100%. i think he's such an underrated actor and more people like you know yeah. look at something like nitram which is like terrifying oh, so, good. so scary good and like thing. get out you watch get out and you're like this man is literally a violent racist he's yeah not, obviously he's probably a lovely guy but he's such a good actor and then in antiviral you look at him and you're like that man is about to drop dead and mm. i'm into it sorry to say <laughs> no i'm like i'm completely with you on that like i i, I do think he is a really underappreciated actor like if you look at his filmography there's so many things that he's in that I mean, like, I mean, I know he's, like, uncredited in it, but, like, when he was, like, a kid, he was in, like, super bad and stuff like that. So, like, he's been, like, in the, like, area. Didn't yeah. Know that. Oh, Fun fact for you guys. Which he's, one? He's, he's just, so, if you look, if you look online, if you have a little cheeky look, he is just oh, boy, boy at party, but he's uncredited. So, he was just in the background in super bad, oh, and that's, like, one of his first roles. But, like, literally from that, he's been, like, in the kind of, I guess, Hollywood area for, like, oh ages. God, yes. And then he just like randomly appears in a bunch of random films that I love. But then, I mean, I'm not saying I love Superbad. Superbad is a strange film. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, he's always just there. Oh and in everything that I've seen him in, I've always loved him. He's always so good. But great. antiviral, just, he's just got an extra element. Like, really, like, he's got something else in that. He's yeah, he's he's fantastic in this film. And I think it was when I first watched it, I hadn't seen anyone that felt like it just feels like such a natural performance for such an unnatural process to be happening to the body, you know, because you see some of the other characters get sick and, you know, you see Hannah Geist in it become sick. But like he really I mean, the effects, of course, are fantastic because he looked he looks like fucking shit. He looks towards oh, he looks the end terrible. of the film. You're like, oh, poor thing needs some fucking like vitamin sweaty. C booster or something. He's Very so sweaty, sweaty. <laughs> gooey. Actually, kind of coming on to the the point around the body horror then in this. So I would say for me, the the thing that made me feel the most disgusting um, is the, you mentioned it earlier, the meat market, the cells that they, yes. there's something Ooh. about that, that really, even now, every time I watch it, I'm like, what? It, oh, it gives me the fucking ick. It is yeah. revolting. It's, it's so like, like synthetic as well. Like it doesn't even look, it looks like bloodless. It doesn't even look like good meat. It looks yeah. like really shitty, like corn or something. <laughs> It really does. And it's just like, like, it just, it really leans into the thought of like fully consuming something or someone that you love. And like, it's, it's, it's a really interesting way to portray it in terms of fandoms and stuff, but it's so gross. Like just the thought of putting that in your mouth when you see it on the screen, or it's, it's really not good. Sad thing is, I feel like I put worse in my mouth. (laughs) 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 I think for me in this film, the body horror, I mean, obviously, but it's the sickness. And I think, again, going back to when I watched it, coming to it quite late, it's almost a bit too on the nose for COVID. This is why it blew my mind, because I was like, there's no way this was made before covid but everything in it from like you know the fevers to the temperature checking to the tests to the nasal swabs it all just hit really home and 
you know, sickness is something that we're all terrified of because it does happen to us. And I think that for me was what, because it's such a profoundly accurate portrayal of that weak, like sallow exhaustedness that you feel when you're sick. And yeah, I did watch it when I was sick and I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever done. But it felt great. Was it was it almost kind of a cathartic process for you because you were like, I can fully get into this? Yeah, it was. And it was I actually watched Antiviral and Crimes of the Future. So I I was like, I have to watch Cronenberg when I'm sick because I feel like that family just get it. (laughs) They just understand (laughs) what it's like to be ill. They 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 get it viscera and all. It's they just really yeah do. yeah. I, I I like I like that you use the word sallow as well. That is so that is such a good word for this. Mm. Like really good. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great film, and I think it is. You know, you can see how fo- like how it kind of started Brandon Cronenberg's like journey into body horror. It and it does feel very much like kind of you know the first film in obviously what's to come more so I want to move on to Possessor um, which obviously is the film I've seen far too many times and yet never get bored of it Um, so this film is from 2020 um, so quite a few years after after antiviral it stars Christopher Abbott who just obsessed with that man in doing all these like kinky weird movies like that he does i mean thank you for for that christopher um and andrea riseborough who also is doing some fantastic things in genre cinema so iona i'm gonna hand over to you for our synopsis of this one yeah so i think that this is when the meld between kind of mind and body horror kind of really starts kicking up a notch so uh the synopsis of Possessor is that uh, Tassia Voss, who uh, Andrea Riseborough plays, is an assassin who links up to unsuspecting hosts via a machine and an implant in their brain. Um, and with the help of her handler, Gerda, uh, she takes over the host's bodies um, and carries out assassinations on people. Um, she then removes herself from their consciousness by forcing the host to commit suicide. However, she's set the task to assassinate a wealthy CEO, who's played by Sean Bean, (laughs) via his fiancée's daughter, who is Christopher Abbott. Um, And Voss's control of the host wavers, so she's stuck in a battle of two minds and a single body, where reality and psych kind of start to meld with quite sinister results for the both of them. So this film, like, as I mean, it, it comes as no surprise. Like, I'm obsessed with this film. I talk about this film far too much. But I think for me, when I first saw Possessor, what I loved so much was, as you mentioned there, Iona, it, was, it really brings to life that kind of, like, mind and body horror, which I connect a lot more with because I see, you know, mind and body horror so intrinsically linked to make the body horror more frightening when it connects to your mind. I think it's a great film that looks at perhaps maybe like deeper topics than something like antiviral does. You know, antiviral seems maybe a little bit kind of vain in its approach, which obviously ties back into the celebrity. But for me, I think 
what I really picked up on was kind of this aspect of like things around body dysmorphia, identity disorder. Um, I recently, I'm not sure if I'm actually allowed to say this shit, but I'll do it anyway. Um, I've I did a, a video a- essay recently for Second Sight's edition on it on like dissociation and Hell depersonalization. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, for me, that was so powerful in the way that it connects those two things together and I think I just love that it does more in terms of the mind through the body as a vessel rather than solely just like infections body that aspect of it yeah a hundred percent I mean I I have body dysmorphia and this is a film I think this is actually the, the film of his I've watched least um, not because I don't like it, but because it's almost like too hard to watch sometimes because it's like this thought that you could look in the mirror and see something that isn't what matches up in your mind is like so deeply terrifying. And it's something that I go through every day um, and, you know, trying to like literally dig it out of you. That's terrifying as well. I, I also I know I'm not being trans. Obviously, I can't speak to this experience, but I know a lot of my trans friends really really identify with this film and actually with Cronenberg both Cronenbergs as a whole because both of them really do a lot about you know feeling displaced and in the horror that comes with literally being in the wrong body and how everybody should have the freedom and the right to exist in the body that they want and the body that belongs to them and the body that's comfortable with them so I think Possessor, like you said, Zoe, it goes so deep on so many multiple levels. And, but with such a simple story, I mean, how cool is that, that premise? Like an assassin that takes over your brain. That's like the coolest fucking thing. It's like a weird parasite of violence. And I just, ooh, obsessed, love it. I, I, I do love um, in the beginning kind of sequences in Possessor as well, you see the kind of simplicity of what it's supposed to be like being be, being a successful assassin that does this kind of like as a job. So like we see a successful like assassination within the first, what, like 15 minutes. And like the way that it's portrayed and the way that this woman is taken over and then goes into this party that she's supposed to be like a hostess for or something and just so violently stabs that man that she's trying to go after. And then all of a sudden with, with, with a blink, like the the assassin's out again, Voss is out, and she's just like, okay, comes back to her mind, goes through the process to show that she is of sound mind and body and back within herself. Um, And I just think, like, the process between that and then seeing how it can go wrong is such a simple setup, but it's really portrayed so well. And the the violence in this film is, as you mentioned, like, the stabbing, obviously affects art by the god that is Dad Martin. I love that man. And everything he does. I'm like, I just want to make him watch, like, give me eight hours of Dan Martin stab scenes and I'll I'll (laughs) properly have a bad time, but also a good time. Oh, hello. (laughs) Yeah, we like his prosthetics. But yeah, I think some of my my favorite bits in there are around kind of like the emotional tuning that she does where, you know, like you have at the beginning where it's like looking in the mirror, trying to like connect back with her emotions. And when Voss goes back to her family and has to practice how she'd speak to the kid and the husband. And then obviously when she goes into Colin's, Colin's body and practices being him and there's like such subtleties throughout it where the girlfriend picks up and she's like, you're you in your body, but like 
you're not acting like you and to me that kind of really played into like you know mental health and when you're kind of having a day where you're you in your body but you don't you don't feel like you're in your body because you feel so different and someone says Mm -hmm. to you how are you you feel straight and you're like I'm fine and they're looking at you as if you're not and you're like I'm also looking at me like am I all right and Mm -hmm. that just that just gets me every time and I when I have a wobble I watch this film and I just sit lay in bed like it's all right you're all right you've got possessor (laughs) nothing else matters it's like yeah it's like and this is something that goes across all of his films none of his characters ever fully feel like human they they almost feel like an alien practicing and mimicking what it likes what what it means to be human like you said with tarsia like repeating things over and over again and sid like throwing himself into the work and later we'll get on to james from infinity pool but i think brandon is very interested in this like disconnect between body and mind and i think he's less interested in the question of what makes a human um I, sorry, I think he's less interested in the answer than he is in the question. Like to him, he's all about like, what does it mean when you're not the you that you think you are? Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. <laughs> I think I think if, if I think if people don't understand that question, they need to go back and rewatch the filmography of Cronenberg. Like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like that man is the perfect person for this. Yeah, that that question, I think that was for me is the the question that is like really gets under my skin with Possessor. And, you know, obviously the visualization of it as well, like with the melting body, you know, when you have these like experiences where you kind of do feel like you're you're kind of melting away from from reality and feeling like you're not in touch with it. um, I really, really love. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of I would say a lot of ambiguity I can never say that word um in this film because I've watched it so many times now that sometimes I watch it and I'm like oh but is Voss Colin or is Colin Voss at what points and you can read this film throughout the whole film as a switch between different characters and get a different reading and I fucking love that because I'm like oh, oh yeah it just it destroys my mind. I'm like, oh no, what's going on here then? So good. There's a quote from Silent Hill PT that always makes me think of Brandon Cronenberg and it's, the only me is me. Are you sure the only you is you? And that really like freaks me out because like how oh, yeah. can you ever be sure if you're the real you or you're your weird clone? <laughs> well, I think I think that that kind of quote and what you were saying, Zoe, is like perfectly replicated in the scene. You know when um, Colin and Voss are trying to like like tear themselves away from each other, and there's that physical representation of the tearing of their two bodies because they've like melded together so much, and it's like all these like crazy lights and stuff are going on as well. So obviously it's really disorientating. But if you watch so closely, you can see the like the skin and the like flesh tearing away from each other, and it's almost like. I kind of almost read that as because they've kind of melded into one person. It's like a representation of like the id and the ego kind of removing themselves from each other at the same time as well. So like a bodily representation of kind of what can go on with someone psychologically when they don't quite feel like they're fully there and they're living in their impulses rather than living the life they really should be. Yeah, for me, like I, I, the last, I mean, again could read it so many ways but the last time I watched it I kind of read it that 
actually Voss and Colin they're not even separate people they they're just the same person it's just the way that one day you would wake up and look at yourself versus the next day you wake up and look at yourself and they're just two readings of yourself like you were saying Amber is it you or is it you is it me like it can blow your mind um one thing I did want to talk about is because obviously we're we're going to go down you know the sexy kind of fruit with these films and this includes some great little sex scenes um oh yeah sexy scenes i mean you know i mean imagine can i just say imagine waking up in christopher abbott's body yeah, yeah. oh i would be uh, yeah. fine with that <laughs> I, I i feel i feel like if you're gonna wake up if you're gonna wake up in a man's body you want to wake up in a man's body that looks like that oh yeah but, and but she I mean, does what we all would do. Oh, 100%. Straight you would has a peak straight away. You'd, you'd have sure. a peak and then you take it for a test drive. That's oh, what you do. You? But then I, I mean, I, I, I was, I was telling, I was telling you both on our little chat before we started this, I've been watching Possessor in parts on my commute and on my commute into work. Uh, so I've been watching those scenes on a fully patched train into London uh, when I've been going into the film. office. It's not a public film. <laughs> and I, I hadn't watched it in so long. My brain kind of like phased out those bits. And then every time it happened, I was like, oh, there's another bit of penis. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Another sex scene. Right. Okay. Then <laughs> I kept, I kept feeling like I had to like hold my phone close to me to be like, no, 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 no. This is my viewing, not yours. <laughs> Yeah, there's uh, there's some there's some great kind of penis scenes, but one thing I wanted wanted to ask around kind of like some of the sex scenes and stuff is because obviously there's there's the main sex scene in there where they kind of change genders mm. and they're obviously swapping, but in there at the very beginning there's a scene where Voss is having sex with her husband and she starts to think about the stabbing, mm -hmm. um. And I found that really interesting because I think of other kind of like body horror films where they combine these really gory, graphic, visceral elements with sex, like something like uh, Excision, for instance, is one that always plays in mm -hmm. my mind. And I kind of wanted to know like both of your thoughts around like violence as a form of escapism and also why kind of like the film might blend this violence with sexual activity with escapism with kind of like a disconnect from reality and how you both kind of like read that because it's always been something from this film that I had like a lot of questions around I think much like his father Brandon almost sees sex and violence as one and the same and that neither can exist without without this I mean this comes into play I think in Infinity Pool, which we'll talk about later, I think he takes this idea of sex and violence as the same thing and really fleshes it out. But, you know, I think the main point that Brandon thinks is a, is a, a dick is a fist, is a knife, is a dick, is a fist. It's all, it's all the same thing. You know, there's, there's penetration, that it's obscene, it's something that we want to keep away. It's something that's demonized by the media, there's a lot to do with like voyeurism and watching as well throughout Cronenberg's works. Um, and you know, dad Cronenberg too, look at Crash, for example, you know, that's violence and sex and neither can exist without the other. Um, for me, I think it's very interesting because these are two genres that are both very demonized, but in certain media states, one is acceptable and the other isn't. I mean, look at the state of American horror. Um, you know, where you can show something like, 
I don't know, like Barbarian, which I absolutely love, where we can see Bill Skarsgård's hair being smashed over and over into a wall, and we love it, and we're here for it. But God forbid anyone see a penis or two grown adults like doing something like, no, we cannot have that. So I think it's very interesting, and Cronenberg almost reminds me of like Michael Haneke in a way, in that he's he likes to point the finger at the audience and be like you like this it, you and you're not you should not be ashamed to like it like we all like it we all like sex and we all like violence to a degree so why are we all pretending that we don't when they're both go hand in hand so gorgeously yeah i think i i i want to kind of go back to the word penetration that you used amber because <laughs> i say you've got a mouthful of drink i'm so sorry <laughs> i don't mean to make you drink. um so you know so zoe zoe mentions the the sex scene that voss has with her husband and the kind of flashes that you see of the stabbing and the violence and i think that the penetration of the blade into the body and the penetration of the penis is very very integrated in that moment and although Voss might find it quite jarring because she's all of a sudden having these images and it might be putting her off the kind of physical moment that she's having with her husband when, as an audience, I guess, we are potentially having the opposite response. We are having the shock value of the sex scene and the shock value of the stabbing happening at the same time, melding into our viewing kind of area and going, oh God, no, that association really works. And like if anything, they're one and the same. And as you said, the sex and violence going hand in hand, I wouldn't say is, is seen positively by the audience, but is seen in a far different way to the, the way that the characters are actually physically experiencing it. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually, about talking about, you know, penetration, because essentially, you know, it is, yeah, it's a representation of that, isn't it? And I think that goes throughout the film. Um, and I And I wanted to talk a bit about Colin's character because obviously in our WhatsApp chat earlier um <clears throat> you both brought up really interesting points around Brandon Cronenberg's approach to male toxicity you know mas masculinity in the films and I love Colin as a character because I feel like he's should be when they first introduce him they're like oh he used to be a drug dealer it seems like a bit of a bad boy right all of this but when you see him he seems to be quite I don't know sensitive in a way his girlfriend's quite outgoing her dad doesn't like him he's working a shit job just because he wants to impress like his father-in-law who doesn't like him at all and I find that really interesting because Voss's character is quite masculine um through looks i would say in in certain ways by society's standards and also by the way you know that she acts as well she's quite a, a an alpha kind of female you know she doesn't do what she's told um and i just really find it very very interesting to see this kind of portrayal and i wanted to know a bit more about you know how how you both read that because it was obviously a point you picked up on and I love films that look at like toxic masculinity because I think it's such an interesting topic that often gets kind of pushed to the side because of course we're often talking about you know especially here it goes like female perspective and things but I really love looking at like toxic masculinity and I think you know this film picks up on it perhaps quite subtly compared mm -hmm. to infinity pool which we'll talk about um in a minute but it's there it's definitely in there in threads 
I think Brandon is maybe one of, if not for me, the most interesting filmmaker we have working right now in the, the space of maleness. And by that, I mean, he presents, I'm less interested in his female characters than I am in his male ones, which very rarely happens for me because they're usually all about the ladies. But I think he very well manages to mesh together the horrors of the patriarchy and how individual men under patriarchy can also suffer while also being assholes themselves. You know, there's there's never like a black and white good and bad. All of his male characters are very flawed, but we do see things from their point of view. You know, Colin is basically emasculated by you know, his girl, he only has this job because of his girlfriend's dad and Sean Bean is a complete dick to him and just horrible. And we see that dad thing come up again later in Infinity Pool is these men have no real agency or identity of their own. And I feel like that's something that maybe men are dealing with in the modern world. And it's not in any way an excuse for the bullshit that men pull, but it is it's interesting to consider. Do men feel like they have a lack of identity and i feel like brandon would probably say yes um for various reasons some being their own fault and some being the fault of the world around them but it's it's really interesting because yeah like i said it's very it's very rare that i give a shit about the men in horror films but not with brandon baby i love it well i i do agree it's like he he has a way of showing that male vulnerability and the concept of kind of male panic in those situations where they don't feel like they have that full control but without being anti-feminist which a lot of people who a lot of directors I feel very often have to go kind of one way or the other you have to be very pro-feminism or you have to be very anti-feminism and the portrayal of your men and the portrayal of the male characters within your films will very often kind of show that perspective you can either have a horrible horrible man who is so the opposite of what you want in terms of general life or you can have a man who's like as a feminist for like every single aspect of his personality and and I feel like Cronenberg is just so good at getting that middle ground and he shows like you said Amber the fact that these men are not perfect none of them are they are all flawed but at the same time they are showing their vulnerability and they're showing their true selves without stepping on the toes of what would be a pro-feminist view? Yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually, because you're right. I think a lot of filmmakers get wrong where they they try to show male characters in, in a particular way but or, or female characters, and it goes against the other kind of, you know, gender. It feels like against that, which, yeah, but there's not a point in Possessor or any of Brandon Cronenberg's films where it feels either way. It just feels like a very kind of neutral portrayal but honing in on on one aspect of it um so I want to just kind of talk about before we move on to our next film I want to just talk about the ending of Possessor because obviously that was that kind of got people's backs up a bit um seeing you know a mother kill her own child I love the ending of Possessor I feel like it just really hones in on the body horror in this film of the aspect of like that the kid has Gerda's uh character inside him and it's so brutal and it's such a like fast paced blows my mind I'm like everything is just nasty about this scene 
And when those kind of like two pools of blood come together, for me, it kind of like really cements the feeling that when we're thinking of like bodies, they are so detached actually from our minds. A body is a vessel. It They literally have nothing to do with our minds, yet we see it as so attached. But actually like our body is probably the most far removed thing from us than anything else. And yeah, I think it's kind of like per- that like blood on the floor chef's kiss perfection i mean i am i'm fully of the mindset of we are all just bags of meat and bones that are being piloted by a little a a little sentient brain in all of us and the mind the mind is so detached from the body like i i I hate it when people go no no but like your your body is you and i'm like no my brain's me my mind is me not my body is just i'm just carrying this around with me and seeing how it goes but I, the, the the thing that really gets me at the end of that scene is when Gerda, as Voss's kid, says, pull me out and you realise what's going on and you're like, oh, shit. Because you wonder why he's not responding. Like, she shoots him in this, like, panicked reaction. The realisation of who that is, you can kind of see come onto her face because at that point you're seeing her and not Colin, but then you are also seeing Colin. It's it's a mess. It's great. Um and then when he, when when Gerda's voice just says pull me out and you're like oh oh no this is this is her method of getting Voss back this is not good this is cutting all the ties this is making sure that the slate is completely clean and it's just that shock factor I feel like the first time I saw that film that really affected me yeah hundred percent I've got nothing to add you said that <laughs> perfectly no I I love it the ending is I love the ending in its all its brutality and unforgivingness there's not a point during this film i think where there's ever any like like levity or a point where you feel good and you just end up feeling like shit at the end of it and i love as well how at the end you know we again we're not sure where the identity parts of it lie but we've got this implication that there's a lack of guilt and i think again it's this pointing back at the audience and being like you enjoyed that and you shouldn't feel bad about it because mm-hmm. wouldn't we all love to smash a body in our, you know maybe once or twice in our life <laughs> i also yeah. i also think i kind of from from kind of a side note for this i kind of want to know what Voss's husband hears when all of this is going on because you know he's being held on the table by who he thinks is Colin with a gun to his head does he hear the conversation that Colin's having because he might he might just be on that table being like who is this crazy man and why is he having a conversation with himself I just want to know what like from an outsider perspective what that poor man before he meets his demise kind of experiences poor Michael he does nothing bad in this does he and he just gets the shit of it all like Bless him. I feel like that's kind of a running theme with Andrea Riseborough's husbands <laughs> in media as well. Like really Mandy, is. you know, Nick Cage was suffering. Wasn't that that Black Mirror episode where she kills oh, all those yeah. people and her husband's just oh. like hanging out at home He's with just like, Bugsy Malone? Cool. <laughs> yeah, come on, Andrea. Come on. A little respect for your boys. Come on. <laughs> Maybe maybe that's the uh, the anti-feminist aspects that we've yes. got here, finally. <laughs> I love it. Right, moving on to our final film, which is, of course, Infinity Pool, uh, which came out this year, starred the wonderful Mia Goth uh, and Alexander Skarsgård. And Amber, of course you're doing the synopsis <laughs> for this one. Go for it. 
So Infinity Pool follows our writer Jamesy Foster, played by our gorgeous Viking Swedish god Skorsgård, and his wife M, played by the gorgeous Cleopatra Coleman. Uh, the both of them are vacationing on the fictitious, fictional, excuse me, beautiful but corrupt island of Litolka, which is populated by these amazing mask-wearing festival goers. Um, after a day out with the enigmatic and enticing Gabby, played by our wonderful scream queen Mia Goth, uh, James accidentally hits and kills a local with his car. Um, sorry, that's my alarm. Upon being sentenced to death by the local government, James is told that for a hefty sum of money, which luckily he has because he married rich, he can sentence a clone of himself to the execution instead, which he does and immediately becomes addicted to it. Um, as James becomes addicted to the rush of killing and subsequently being killed, his sanity starts to spiral into a massive, gorgeous descent of blood and spunk and orgies and drugs, and Gabby reveals her true nature. Oh, I don't even know where to start with Infinity Pool because <laughs> first time I, I watched it, I saw it as screening, um with uh with someone else and we were sat next to each other and we kept exchanging these looks so a week before uh i interviewed karim hussein uh who i always love because he made a film a very nasty grotesque film called subconscious cruelty a long time ago uh which he has told me not to tell people to watch so this is me telling people not to watch it um and he has been the cinematographer on uh lots of brandon cronenberg films and I spoke to him the week before and he basically said to me, uh, I was like, how will I know it's the unrated cut? And he went, about the 18 mark, he went, you'll know <laughs> if it's the unrated cut or not. So I <laughs> went to see this at the cinema and I said to um, Emily Murray, I was like, 18 minutes in, we'll know. 18 minutes came. I looked at her, I was like, I think it's the unrated cut, Emily. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was just start to finish. I had no idea what I was getting myself in for. And then I rewatched it recently and I feel like I enjoyed it even more on a rewatch. I feel like it's, I feel like with Brandon Cronenberg's works, you get more and more out of his films the more you watch it because mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that on a first watch, there's so much happening. They're so gorgeous. They're so kind of like full of gore and, you know, blood and cr crazy ass shit that when you watch it again, you're like, ah there's things that I pick up on it um yeah I just I really love this film and I think it, you can see how far he's come as a filmmaker as well in terms of like his development of understanding mm -hmm. what works well on screen yeah 100% I, I don't necessarily I think Possessor is still his most popular film but I think Infinity Pool is obviously the one that's grandest in scale and as far as I'm concerned, he's three for three. Um, Infinity Pool slightly edging out the other two, but that's just because of my giant Alex Skarsgård fetish. Like you guys know, I I can't I can't not. I mean, isn't at the top. isn't that isn't that the entire of the ghouls group chat as well though? <laughs> like ninety nine percent ninety nine percent of that chat is us all of us thirsting after that man. I it, swear he, he must never know. He must I'm never gonna know. send. I'm going to send him this episode. <laughs> sweet, sweet Skarsgård, do not listen Death. to this, please. He's actually probably love it. This is the thing I love about him, and I will not go on a huge tangent about how much I fangirl over him. But he's like a goofy, silly, sweet guy. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's what 
I loved about Infinity Pool is yes, he cast Alex because Alex is this amazing seven foot model looking guy. But Alex also has this real vulnerability and almost patheticness to him. Yes. I mean, if anyone's ever seen True Blood season four, <clears throat> when Eric loses his memory. Yes. Oh my God. The most pathetic. He's like a pathetic little dog. Mm -hmm. which he is in Infinity Pool. He's the dog. He, he does. He literally this, has it. <laughs> <laughs> he's got this real sadness about him. And like, even when he's crying, you're a, a part of you is a bit like, I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you say. kind of, like, you love him, but you also kind of want to slap him. Yeah, I want to slap not... him, but I love him, but I, and I feel sorry for him, but yeah, he's great at that. I feel like not enough filmmakers give him the chance because they just cast him as, like, I don't know, Tarzan or The Northman, no offense to Robert Eggers, but which he's perfect for those roles. But what Alex is great at is being a pathetic little pissy baby as well. Yes. The, the hidden nuance of the pissy baby. <laughs> <laughs> so few men can grasp so that. So few men can pull it. So few <laughs> men can pull it off. Um, I I would like to share my ter like upsettingly terrible, upsetting story from the first viewing that I had of Infinity Pool, where I also I went and watched the the unrated, like the uncut version, sorry, in the cinema, and I was with one of our fellow ghouls, Kitty, and she went to the bathroom at the beginning of the film. And it was fine. It was the opening sequence, but I was sat holding our bags, making sure that everything was fine in the cinema because, you know, the paranoia of losing your bag in the cinema. Uh, she then came back. I then got up and went to the bathroom. And during the process of that, I missed the reason that it was the uncut version. Nah. So on my first viewing, I mean, I'm just I'm just going to be blunt here, ladies. On the first viewing, I missed the cum scene. <laughs> and it's so good on the big and screen. That's where you need it to see was, it when it comes out of nowhere. I literally. was so angry because I knew going into that film, the one thing that I knew about <laughs> Infinity Pool was that I was going to get to see um. Alex Skarsgård come on screen. <laughs> and I did not get to see Alex Skarsgård come on screen. <laughs> I, I know. Well, so now you know how the Americans feel. They didn't get it either. But and, yeah, I I did come home and search some not very um, well behaved websites and find the scene <laughs> because I was that angry. I I came home and it was about midnight and I just doom scrolled through all of these dodgy websites that definitely gave me viruses <laughs> on my computer and found the scene because I was just I was so mad. I was so so mad. Desperation. And I think it's I think it's so. I love that he's so bold with that because you yeah. don't often and I think and I think again kind of going back to the point where we're talking about you know how he shows male characters and not so much female like you like he doesn't go towards female nudity which in horror was so fucking used to seeing mm -hmm. yeah. female nudity and I was like it's a welcome change to mm -hmm. see an erect penis come shitting on screen i was like why do we not see this more and to see it on a big screen yeah i i mean i was shocked i was like oh wow it really is very uncut right now isn't it oh um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i think i think like it's i mean you're saying saying about not having kind of leaning into the female nudity like we see like we see like mia goth's breasts like later on in the film but it's done in a way that's not kind of a, it's not even like a really a sexualization version like she offers she offers her breast to breastfeed like as a comfort thing and mm. it's like it's that kind of strange 
mashup of like the sexual but the comfort but the motherly but also she is really like fucking with him at that point <laughs> so I feel like yeah he's he's really good at leaning more towards the male nudity for the visual pleasure as 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 as, as we could all uh quite enjoy and then like you said kind of not leaning towards the sexuality of the females yeah and people you know people went for it for Alex's dong. I mean, at least in our yeah. circles, they did. The, the draw wasn't Mia Goth is naked. Obviously, Mia Goth is a really stunning person, and it's always nice to see stunning people naked. But the draw was, you're going to get a cum shot in this film. Mm-hmm. You're going to get, you're going to get a dick on screen, and audiences were starved. We were <laughs> shouting from the rooftops. We needed that so much. And yeah, good for Brandon, because also not for being like. I feel like a, a lot of men would like, would be oh I don't want to put that in my film I'm not gay like what's what's gay about loving penis that's what I ask <laughs> but also it kind of goes against the whole um, I know there's a lot of kind of sterilization conversation on Twitter uh, as one of or oh, X ugh, as one of the uh, platforms at the moment of kind of pushing towards less sex in horror and like less of that kind of side of horror to which i say hell no like we need as much of the kind of the sex and the gore and the violence all merged into one because we are there for the visceral we are there for the physical we are there for kind of the outright shock factor mm-hmm. which also in these kind of films makes you think well that's well that's the whole point of body horror isn't it it's like you can't you can't have body horror without being truthful to the elements of of body and you know in this you have you have cum you have blood you have breast milk you have pretty much every kind of gross thing that's coming out of a body that could happen in this film and I think that's really important to show when it comes to body horror because it's about being authentic to the things that happen to our body and these things are are just very very natural um and i and i feel like this is a film that you know also you know includes like usage of drugs um mm. something that you don't often see that much in films um and you also have uh the element of the enjoyment again around violence which obviously we spoke a little bit about in possessor kind of like losing yourself i love i think my favorite scene is when you know his clone goes to die for the first time and he's watching the kid stab him in the stomach mm-hmm. and you look at him and he's and he's at first he's shocked and disgusted and then that little that oh, little yeah. smile just creeps up and when i watched it i was like i kind of think i would in a way be interested in seeing myself get stabbed to death like is is that weird like what does that mean for it's, me? I don't know. It's like a really morbid curiosity, isn't it? Because it's like you 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 want to see how your body and how your response would kind of be in that situation. But obviously you don't want to have to go through the pain and the trauma and you know the the death like yourself. So yeah, I think I think honestly, if there was more, if there was an option to do this with science allowing nowadays i think you'd find a lot more people would be up for it than you'd first maybe assume oh and they'd be they'd not only be up for it they'd be getting off to it oh yeah you know that smile is 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 it's not just a i like this smile it's a i'm turned on by the you know it's it's a very specific iona going back to what you were saying in possess of the knife 
it's a dick. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, he could have, Cronenberg could have made it so that he gets, that Alex gets smashed over the head or, I don't know, gets his throat slit. He's not. He's stabbed in his abdomen with a, a knife. And if we know anything from Cronenberg, we know that a knife is a dick. So Alex is literally, James, sorry, is literally watching himself get fucked and enjoying it. So, you know, that goes into all that voyeurism. Watching yourself get killed is the same as watching your own sex tape. At first, you might be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is horrible. But after a while, you'll get into it. Mm-hmm. It's all the melding of sex and pleasure. Mm-hmm. It is. And, and throughout the whole film, you know, as the whole group, you can tell, like, they've been doing this a while. And they're, they're clearly going there every year to get their rocks off on on you know it's like when Mia Goth says oh do you and your you know why don't you and your clone fuck me do you do you want to do that I was like yeah that would be hot like that'd be hot as hell my one one gripe with this film is that that didn't happen come on on, Brad it's like just push it that bit further come on all we needed was that one scene so I could that's what we want literally dream of that for the rest of my life I would have been set but yeah I I also, I also think that Mia Goth has the best lines in this film. She has all of the quotable lines from this film. I like, I a hundred percent after seeing this was walking around shouting things like "my wine" at people, and like no one understood what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I came out of this film and dyed my hair blonde. That's how I love that. obsessed I got. I literally came out of this film the next day. I made an appointment to dye my hair blonde because I was like, I'm so obsessed with Gabby in this film she is such a horrible little person but so <laughs> hilarious and i don't know mia goth is she's a fucking star you know we oh, all she know is. it she's she's fantastic but she just gives this film a whole new sense of sociopathy that i don't know if anyone else could have done there's just something about her and her lack of eyebrows and her complete lack of humanity that i just love so much she is so good at playing roles like that though and then you see interviews with her and she's like the sweetest human and you're just like how like i mean obviously it's fucking excellent acting same as alex skarsgård it's like how do you go from being such like nice lovely well-rounded people to being in these films and playing the most fucked up characters that you can physically imagine <laughs> mm-hmm. oh it's great casting it's perfect casting because they they have so much yeah. chemistry as well oh they do and, you know when i first when i first when we first found out about the cast and then we found out i saw the plot synopsis and i was like wait mia Goth's not his wife like cleopatra coleman who is obviously a fantastic actress but they don't have that chemistry and that's another thing i love about this film is that it's it's a man who actively enjoys the the sinfulness of cheating and running away with like this illicit gorgeous sexy Mia Goth and poor old Cleopatra she's there side by side but we don't really want her we want the crazy bitch I think like the leaning into that kind of chaos mode is something that we all kind of want to live vicariously through like obviously like in our in our real lives we want to be like not not going down the the path of going to an island and you know like being so well actually no i i take that back let me let me completely rewind and do <laughs> I 180 think, on I that statement that maybe you, i do want to go do that <laughs> if you have another great thing about this film is that it's a lot of films came out last year that were kind of like eat the rich that i wasn't really into because i find a lot of them quite boring and one note like oh rich people are bad 
yeah okay what do you want us to do about it but this we film is like yeah we know <laughs> but this film was like rich people are bad but if you had the chance there was never any chance in hell you would turn this opportunity down like if you had the money to live this debauched life of no consequences of course you're going to and of course it's going to corrupt you you know absolute power corrupts absolutely and i love films that really go into that without being preachy and without saying like oh this is wrong pleasure island it's wrong because we'd all be there we'd all be there I, well i, I think i love that well, I think that's what he, I think that's what Brandon Cronenberg does through all three of these films is that he's like, well, if you could have the herpes of your favorite singer in, in your mouth, or if you could jump into someone else's skin and maybe commit murder for the first time, if you could watch yourself die and kill your clone or, you know, all of those things, you, you're like, I probably would but I just don't want to admit it. And I think mm -hmm. that's where he really brings to life that thing where you kind of are like, it makes you so uncomfortable because you're like, yeah, I know I would do, do those things if I could get away with it. But we all like to go, no, no, I, I wouldn't be into that. That's sick in the head. That's horrible. But deep down, it's like, yeah, I fucking would. Like for sure would do all of those things. Maybe even breastfeed from Mia Goth, you know, I mean... There's something, there's something there, you know, there's something yeah. there for sure. <laughs> Breastfeed and be breastfed by her. Yeah, I, I would have no qualms with that, not going <laughs> to lie. I'd be fine with that. But no, I, yeah, I do, I do think it does kind of go into that, that moral grey area, but, but no one does want to actively admit it. I mean, the three of us are admitting it, admitting it now, but we're in a safe space, so whatever. It's like we we, we, we all, we've all had those intrusive thoughts. You just don't want to vocalise them kind of in the in the normie public when people will be like have you ever guy have you guys ever thought about you know stabbing a, a random person across the street and people are like no or like yeah. if you're on a train platform being like oh have you ever thought of like pushing someone onto onto the rails it's like no oh okay no just me all right I'm gonna shut up <laughs> like well one of the criticisms I saw of Infinity Pool that really got me don't get me wrong I think there are criticisms as there is with any film but something that really bothered me was like People were saying like, these characters are so mean and I hate them all and I don't want to root for them. I was like, you don't have to, a character doesn't have to be like morally pleasant to watch for you to enjoy watching them. I mean, oh, no. some of my favorite movie characters on earth are completely horrific, awful, disgusting people. And in a way I prefer to watch them. You Do know, you know I don't need my films to tell me the moral high ground because I'm a fucking adult. I know what's good and what's bad in real life, and I want to watch films about bad people. There is there is such a good example of that outside of the horoscope as well because people say, "Oh, like I can't relate to that character because they're really mean, they're really horrible." But if but then you have like TV shows like Succession, which has had massive success. It was huge; people loved it, and that TV show is literally about shitty people being shitty. Mm -hmm. And yet, because it's not in the horoscope, people are like, oh, that's acceptable. It's like, no, 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 no. Just because it's not people like murdering each other. Although I'm not saying that it doesn't happen in that show. I'm just spoiler alert. Oh, sorry, guys. I um, watch it. I mean, I, I literally binged the entire thing when season <laughs> four came out and I was obsessed with it. But it like just because it's not within the horoscope doesn't mean that it's not the same case. And yeah, yeah it, re it really frustrates when people use that argument. I'm like, no, 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 that's not that's not a valid argument as to why the film is not enjoyable for everyone. Yeah, I think horror fans get held to this weird 
fucking standard like oh if you watch horror films you're a bad person and you agree with it and you want to kill people and you want to eat people's skin and yes sometimes but i'm a good person (laughs) i'm a good person i know right from wrong in in some way i've I've got one final question before you before we wrap up if you uh, had the the antiviral slab of meat that was Alexander Skarsgård, yes, yes. are you eating it? Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, like in, I'm, my, in my belly, I'd be like gobbling, the gobbling tunes it. where they get a big sandwich yeah. and like their jaw extends. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't even chew. It would just go down. It just I'd be, be like, like a fucking consumed. python on that bitch. Yeah, like, yeah, you could yeah. see it in my throat sticking. <laughs> oh, gobble gobble. Hundred percent. I'm yeah. <laughs> But wait, I have one question for you both. And I think you know what the question is because I did mention it in the group chat and I did Uh, tell you I would ask you this question. I love you, but I hate you for this. (laughs) (laughs) And listeners, please feel free to send your suggestions. Fuck, marry, kill, Sid March in antiviral, um, Colin in Possessor, whose last name I can't remember, or James Foster in Infinity Pool. This is... I actually, I thought about this, so I, I can go first if you want. Yes, please. I've thought, I've thought about this, so, and it and it breaks my heart, and it's hard to do, but I'm I'm gonna kill Sid because he's already dying. He's already <laughs> dying. You know, he's on his way out. He's sick already. I'm not. I'm not a gal of in fact affections. You know, I like, I like clean boys. I'm gonna be honest. You know, I try to go with clean boys. <laughs> 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 So I'm gonna kill Sid for that reason. Then I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck uh I'm gonna fuck James Foster. Um because let's be honest, like I think if he's, you know, had a bit of those drugs and he's losing his mind and he's, you know, on his leash as well, he's gonna be a good leash time. And yeah, he's gonna be a good time. And I'm gonna marry Colin because I think deep down. He just wants to be loved. There's something about him. And it's Christopher Abbott. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to. So that's my choices. Nice. Mm. Nice. Iona. Oh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm literally going complete opposite to Zoe. Uh, so I am uh, killing Colin. Oh, my husband is gone. He's gone. Out of all of them. I love, I mean, I love all the boys All all three of the boys. I love them. But he is the most wet blanket to me out of the three of them. And you know, ladies, I cannot deal with a fucking wet blanket of a man. <laughs> he, he would, he would like, like, in 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 his in his normal form or in his form where he's with like Voss in his body as well, he would just annoy the shit out of me eventually. And I'd be like, oh my god, shut up and die already. Like, please just fucking stop existing. So from there, I'm gonna fuck Sid because oh. I Oh, wait for it. Wait for it, though. I have justification for this. I love a sickly boy. Mm -hmm. However, as Zoe said, his time on this earth is not that long. So (laughs) I'll do the deed, get that done. And, you know, he can then pop off and that'll be him over. R.I.P. Sid technically as well, even though I didn't kill him. And then I'm marrying James because with that marriage, might be able to get a little bit of sex in there, too. And I will be fully invested into that chaotic life. And I'm going to live with all my sins. I'm going to make all my clones. I'm going to be killing people left, right and centre. And I'm just going to be living in like the chaos life with James. If I told you the marriage is is a celibate one, though, would it change your... Mm, Is it a celibate one just with him or with all of his clones as well? 
all everyone you have to you can be with him and be romantic with him but it's it's, it's a, essentially an asexual relationship okay if it was an asexual relationship then i'd be doing the old switcheroo and i'd be fucking james and i'd be marrying sid <laughs> <laughs> i thought that might be the case yeah yeah i was i was just thinking i was thinking like long-term life plan like you know marry settle in with alex skarsgård have a lovely time but no if it doesn't involve if, if it doesn't involve the fucking then i don't want to get i don't want that in that case i will I be marrying that's... sid that's the crux, isn't it? Because I don't know. I'm I'm actually agreeing with you here. Mine is kill Colin. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Zoe. Colin. Clearly, I, just, I like, like a wet I blanket. I just don't vibe <laughs> with him that much. I feel like we wouldn't get on. I feel like I'd annoy him. And I don't like that. Um, and I want to take care of Sid. I think I have that Munchausen's disease. Being <laughs> like completely dependent on me. You know, I have to bring him his orange juice. And give him his egg sandwiches um and i want to marry james foster but i'm not going to pass up the chance to hop on a scars guard like i'm only no, fucking that's human true. i'm only human yeah that's very true i mean yeah like I'm, I'm i'm not saying i'm not saying christopher abbott i would i would kill because i love that man but as the character colin sorry he's he's and, and i'm gonna i'm, oh, I'm gonna kill him with a, a stab because i'm gonna do the full like cross Ooh. between the penetration and the stabbing and you know Make it full circle for this for this podcast. <laughs> love that. That's fair. I mean, I think, you know, my takeaway here is clearly I just love fucking wet blanket men, don't I? <laughs> there we go. Winner, Slide in my winner. DMs, you little wet blankets. Let's go. <laughs> Do not be putting that advertisement out. Oh, my God. <laughs> well... Let, maybe we'll wrap things up there before it gets uh, full debauchery. So thank you both for this uh, crazy discussion. Um, we've really deep dived into uh, many, many areas of Brandon Cronenberg's films. Um, before we go, I'd love to know from you both where people can find you um, and any plugs you would like to share as well. So Iona, you can go first if you'd like. Yeah, sure. So on socials, everyone can find me pretty much everywhere. I'm trying to move on to the other socials that are possibly replacing Elon's hellscape now. Um, my social tag is full underscore out underscore Iona, because just like all the people in antiviral, I'm obsessed with a very certain aspect of celebrity culture that is Fallout Boy. Um, I You can find me on the Ghouls Magazine website, uh, where I have a couple of reviews and bits and pieces dropping soon. Um, and apart from that, you can kind of just hear me yelling into the void every now and then. I have in the rumor mill maybe started that i might be maybe starting a podcast at some point soon but i'm gonna only just say that much and no more yeah i am i know we know some rumblings about this podcast and all i'm gonna say is if you liked this episode then you're gonna like that <laughs> podcast that's <laughs> oh hell yeah <laughs> that's how it's gonna go down and what about you amber um, I am also on the Hellscapes at Hornblood Fire, but I am on the Blue Sky Hellscape at Blonde Kaidan because I'm kind of toying with a brand reboot. Um, you can find me on Fangoria Daily with news articles, and I have a piece, printed piece, in the latest issue of Fangoria, which you can pick up. Uh, if you're in the US, Barnes and Noble. If you're in the UK, I think you can get it from Hemlock Books. Um, 
and I might be in the later one this year as well so I can't say much more about that do keep an eye out for it um I've got some very nice horribly accurate and relevant body horror editorial up on ghouls just today so that'll be worth checking out um and yeah apart from that I'd like to run my mouth on Twitter so if you ever need to know where I am and what I'm up to that's that's it Thank you very much. Um, and as for me, you can find me on socials at Sober with a Shotgun. Um, I'm not on any of the new ones at the moment because honestly, I can barely be fucked to do Twitter at the moment. So, you know, I'll figure that out at some point. Um, in terms of work, I've always got uh, lots of articles up on Ghouls Magazine, uh, lots of podcasts on Ghouls Magazine, both for members and also on the main pod. Um, you can also buy the most recent edition of Second Sight's release of Frontiers, which Kelly Gredner and I uh, have an audio commentary, which was really fun to record. Um, and if you want to listen to me and Kelly talk about really nasty, gross, extreme films, you can do that over at Our Bloody Obsession. Um, and if you want more disgusting stuff, Unearthed Films have just released um, the first of a re-release of the August Underground trilogy, which I have interviews with Fred Vogel um, on all three of them, which is, is fun because I watched August Underground like eight times in a month and thought I was going to die a bit. But here we are. So the dream yeah this uh <laughs> mental health is down the shitter but you know had a good time <laughs> <laughs> And if you want to follow Ghouls Magazine, um, you can do so over on social media at Ghouls Magazine or at Ghouls Mag, depending on which channel. Um, if you're not a member already, then you can sign up for our membership. Um, it's just $4.99 a month. You get lots of bonus podcast episodes um, where you can hear us talk about films, talk about our monthly theme. Um, also on our main pod, we do our Ghouls Watch where we get together. We talk about uh, recent horror films we've watched recent horror books we've read and even games um and we are thinking about maybe a, a cheeky little game spin-off at some point so watch this space and of course if you are around london um we have a monthly horror film club at true romance in camden london where we show lots of films um this month it is the fly which might have already gone depending on when i can be bothered to publish this because i'm really lazy at the moment um if if you can't make that or you miss that we are showing lords of chaos in august on the 31st and then in september we are showing Shaun of the dead on the 22nd which is going to be i'm so excited for that that is going to be so joke so yes thank you so much um thank you for listening i've been your host zoe iona and amber thank you very much and until next time keep it ghoulish mm -hmm.